Christ commanded us to preach the gospel and disciple the nations. All we do is in support of that mission statement. Join us as we strive to fight the good fight of faith together. Welcome to the Warriors Rising. Hey, this is Paul with Warriors Rising. Glad to have you on the team. Glad to have you in the fight. We are here today, exhausted, but here with Tiana Showy from Made to Conquer podcast. How are you doing, Tiana? Uh, Paul, I'm doing fantastic because everybody just missed a glorious scene that I just saw take place right before you hit the record button. Am I allowed to tell the story on this? Yeah, go for January it. January 2024. Go for it. So Paul and I are just about ready to get started and he looks down and realizes that uh, the, the, the beautiful flannel shirt he's wearing has a tag on it. And so he just nonchalantly turns around to the shelf behind him, which this video is gonna be on Rumble so everybody will be be able to see it pulls out a knife that looks like a machete it could take a man's head off and cuts the tag off with the <laughs> biggest knife i think i've ever seen just nonchalantly and I'm like, Bro, you gotta get your machete out to take a tack off and then and it's some special military knife and it could take a man's head off important tasks call for important tools <laughs> Who owns knives that big, Paul? Oh yeah, that's right, a former Green Beret. So it's actually, it's it's a uh, it's my Yarborough knife because uh, I, I don't know if they still do it. So back when I was going through the course, um, they gave uh, there was a company that they gave out Yarborough knives to guys that graduated the Q course, and so you had to sign for the serial number and everything. So it's a it's a nice knife. It does the job. It accomplishes yeah. the it accomplishes the task. It took the tag off. Your <laughs> it took shirt the tag Oh, it's oh never gosh. a boring Friday when I start when we start off with Warriors Rising. <laughs> Holy cow! Tell me about it. It's it's oh, it's been a crazy week for me. I, I just got back from Fayetteville, North Carolina, late last night. I drove up Wednesday and then drove back yesterday. My drill sergeant called me on Monday. This is it, it's so cool how God works. You know the the world is huge, but it's very very small, and I think everybody knows this. Mm -hmm. um everybody's had those people's like how do you know this person that's insane yeah um but my drill sergeant resto uh he had a platoon of us back in 05 that were all 18 x-rays so we all had that special forces 18 series contract the way the way it worked just so everybody and works just so everybody understands you if you meet certain qualifications you can sign up for an 18 x-ray which means you are if you pass certain gates, you are going to be allowed to go to special forces selection. So I had to do infantry basic training. Then I had to go to airborne school. Then we went to SOPSI, special operations prep course. And that, that was just a basically a month long slaughter fest. Uh, it, it was absolutely <laughs> you, horrific. You may have mentioned it to time or two. <laughs> yeah. It, we, we had 20 heat casualties and three of them were strokes the first day on day zero. It, it, because back then they didn't care about heat strokes, right? That stuff wasn't. But I, 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 it was awful. Um, but then, 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 if you passed that and you got they cadre would say, "Hey, this person's good to go to selection." They we went off to selection. So, anyways, uh, Resto was my drill sergeant in infantry basic and AIT. We reconnected actually when I was at SWIC on my instructor tour back in 2013. Before, I believe it was before Kel got sick, but I can't fully remember. I know it was on Bragg. So we got lunch. We traded numbers. He's he's from Puerto Rico. His English is not the greatest still, um, but he he's he's a great guy. However, um, he 
called me on Monday because his son had gotten killed in a car wreck on Friday. Mm. Kid was 18. Mm. Now the, the, the joy in all of it is that Esteban was a Christian, oh, you know, so that yeah, there is, it, and it was really cool talking to him, you know, cause obviously you show up, have the questions, talk to him about things. It, it's, you know, and it is different the way a lot of us approach these things. You know, he's, he's like a lot of guys, you know, got that thousand yard stare. Mm, um, yeah. And he's like, what, what can I do? You know, I, I, I get this done and I move forward. What, what else can I do? Yeah. Um, but, but he's, it was really cool talking to him about Esteban because Esteban went to a Christian school and anybody that hears this, that was raised Catholic or is Catholic or understands that uh, the way some of those churches are structured within Catholicism, uh, he and his ex-wife say, we, we are, we love God, right? His ex-wife is like, I'm, I'm Catholic, but I hate the church. <laughs> you know, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's such an interesting yeah. dichotomy, <clears throat> but the maturity of this young man, as I talked to Chris, because he would come home and he'd be like, dad, you got to read the Bible. Dad, have you seen this? Dad, check this out. Mm. You need to see this. And so even at his young age, he was pursuing the text of scripture and he was wanting his dad to see these things within the text and, and have that relationship with God. And that brought back a whole conversation that I've had with my buddy Bucket and a bunch of other retired guys about how, you know, we, we went through that phase in the military you know, we're immortal, we're doing our thing. And as we get older, God really gets a hold of us again and, and we really come back to him and it does this full circle. Mm, but it was yeah. it it was great because it allowed for a lot of hope. And and I and that was something that God really laid on my heart to speak about at the funeral and to speak about today, especially with again, as you know, everything that is going on within our world, it's just ramping up. Yeah. Um, and we've definitely got some articles we're going to be going over with stuff that's just come out. So, but it, it was so cool. And, and again, just how God works. Mm. He, he, uh, he reached out to me cause we hadn't talked for like a year, year and a mm -hmm. half, actually about a, about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And he reaches out to me and he says, Brock, cause he calls me Brock. He's like, I'm Brock. Hey Brock, <laughs> I find you. I find you on YouTube. I find you on Tick. And he, so it's, he said he found my videos on TikTok. And so he's been watching them and he's been studying um, mm -hmm. as best as he can right. with all his TBIs and all that stuff going on. So it was just really cool. And and he said he was walking out of the funeral home and they were like, "We who's going to do this? And he said, Brock, I got to call Brock. And it was just, he kept telling me that. And it, it was so exciting. And man, like, you know, your, your prayer is always God speak through me. God yeah. speak through me. Yeah. God speak through me. Let it be your words, because because you know you're you're speaking to these people that you have no clue who they are about a kid who you don't know, and man, the way God showed up faithfully and gave gave me the message to speak was just it, you know I love it because you can't take credit for it, right? right? Yes, yes, I study right. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory is the Lord. So I, I need to prepare. I need to put the work in. I need to put the study in. However, he is the one who ultimately brings it all together. Yeah. You know, we can look at our talents, look at our giftings, but there has to be that constant nonstop acknowledgement that ultimately he's the one that gave you these gifts. He's the one tying it all together in your mind. And ultimately he's going to be the one who speaks through you to, to bring it all together because mm. there were things I had not prepared. I, I had my, my, my note cards written out and my message prepped and the Lord laid on my heart, a couple things to say. And man, it just, it was beautiful, mm. like the way it tied it all together. And then um, he texted me 
a little later and said that he had people walk up to him and said that they are that be, that the message affected them and they are going to be making serious changes. Um, mm. You know, obviously he didn't go into detail. That he's one of those guys that he does not say much at all, right? You're you're not going to get more than a few words out of him on on, on any given subject. Um, but it, it was so amazing to to see that. It's like, man, praise God, praise God, because he knew what those people needed, and and there were people you know, from high school, because the kid was 18. So young kids up to very old. So that's just what, what, what an exciting thing to be used. And what an exciting thing to see people affected by God's spirit and God's word, you know, and, and we all can have that opportunity. You know, it's not just me, you know, it's not just you. I know that we've talked about Lena and Val. Um, They're running that Bible study for Amanda. Yeah. 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 And Amanda for kingdom power and the glory. I mean, you know, that that's the beauty. It's like, it's great you're listening, but it's time to pick up the torch and do it yourself. You know, get out there. What what is stopping you? So um, but but it was just so cool. Like who'd have thought that back in two thousand five, because most people, you know, you never see your basic training instructors again. You think of right. the size of the army, how big it is, um, all, the number of bases, and who'd have thought two thousand five, my senior drill instructor and I would run into each other and reconnect on on the spiritual level. You know, mm-hmm. only only God could set something like that up because I mean that was 19 years ago now. Yeah, now you're you're 100 right, Paul, and, and you said what I was thinking as you were going through that story, which is I hope every single person who's listening to this experiences the joy of being God's talking donkey. And what I mean by that is when when the Holy Spirit has moved through you. <clears throat> And you're and you are in a right posture before him. You're humbled by the fact that he would use you as his talking donkey. And I joke with the Made to Conquer ladies a lot about that, about how I'm nothing more than God's talking donkey. And and you know because we're very quick to to give credit to people. And don't get me wrong, like when we're when we are obedient, you know God delights in that. That's why it says He rewards those who faithfully you know, serve him. And, but, but the point is, is when, when you've been the vessel that God's chosen, you know, deep down inside, I could never have done this. Like there's a, there's, there's a recognition that I don't have this type of goodness in me <laughs> apart from the Holy spirit, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing and it's very humbling. So as a, as a joke, Lena for my birthday bought me, <laughs> she bought me a, hold on, I'll show you. Give me one second. Are you ready for this, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that Eeyore? It is. It's a donkey that hat. That is an Eeyore hat <laughs> with a tail. Say all that is hilarious. That I am God's talking donkey. And so she got me a full donkey themed birthday present, including my talking donkey hat. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of my way of joking to remind people that everybody, God can use anybody who's willing to say yes. And it's very easy to look at people like you and I, who God has given a gift of articulation to and think, I can't speak like Paul and Tiana. I, I, God could never use me in that way. And in fact, when Amanda and Val were preparing for the, you know, kingdom power and glory, I know several, you know, several times it was, but what about this? What about that? I'm worried about this. I'm like, look, it was never about you. It's always been about what the Holy Spirit can do through you. The, the, exactly. the only role you have to play is to say, yes, Lord, and show up and do what he's asked you to do. Where you're deficient, he is strong. And this is exactly what Jesus said to Paul in in the book of it's Corinthians, where he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so, you know, I would just encourage all of you guys that the sooner that you get out of your own head, out of your own way, stop making excuses and just trust God. He will use you. And it's it's an unbelievably humbling thing. And to kind of dovetail with what you're saying, somebody called me this week and, and told me that a couple of years ago, 
uh, before I had the opportunity of meeting this person, and now she's one of my dear friends, that she, her, her husband was uh, extremely abusive alcoholic and they had gotten into a big fight. She got into a car, she drove somewhere and she had a loaded gun and she was about ready to kill herself. And she, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon her to start playing made to conquer. And that is what the Lord used to stop her, to stay her hand. And I had mentioned at that time, we were going to meet at the Ark Encounter. That was the first retreat we did almost two years ago. And she said in that moment, the Lord said, you know, this is where you need to go. So she resolved to go. And since then, God has used her powerfully. I mean, she's starting a crisis pregnancy center in her town. You know, I mean, yeah, she's she's actually one of the, um, she's leading some stuff in Made to Conquer. It's amazing to see what God's done through her life since that moment. And <clears throat> When she told me, I mean, I was tearing, crying. Like I could, I, I, I didn't keep her from committing suicide. The Holy Spirit right. did, and you know that in in your heart. But it just, it, it humbled me, and it, and I, and then the thought, and I want to say this really clearly to everybody who's listening. If if the enemy had won that battle, the thought of not having her in my life, and and not not in the fruit that God's producing through her is tearing me apart. So I just want to just say right now to anybody who has ever been in that place of struggling with with suicide or is in that place or will find yourself in the future it is a lie from the enemy and paul you said something really profound i'd like you to follow up with this and, and explain like you said when i was telling you this story do not do not cave into that that is not the answer the te the, the the voices of the enemy are very real in those moments and in the battle and in, in spiritual warfare it's very real the pressure is very real but do not cave into that because i look at this this woman who i had loved deeply and i could not imagine not having her in my life plus all that i've seen god do in her life through that it is never worth it I want you to know that in that moment, it doesn't matter how strong those feelings are. It's a lie and it's not true and do not cave into it. And please reach out to somebody for help because it, the world do not steal from the world what God is going to do through your life. And I think if you would have told this woman, you know, two years from now, let me show you what God's going to do through your life in that, in that moment. She, you know, hopefully to cause her to reconsider what she would have been missing out on. I mean, it's it's just profound to see this hindsight perspective. But anyway, you you had a really good perspective on that. I think you should share. Yeah, because I, I I experienced that. You know, especially after when I was getting retired out of the military, that that was rough because you know I'm I'm dealing with you know I'm done. Even though you're a you're a prior SF guy, you're not you're not on the team anymore. You're not one of the guys anymore in the same way. Um, and then I had severe severe PTSD. So, you know, a lot of people have nightmares. I get it, you know, and, and we have those things. It, it comes in certain ways. Some of my nightmares would be the normal ones. They weren't terrible. Like, you know, you're in a firefight, you're pulling the trigger, your gun's not going off. You know, you can't get your weapon to start or like the bullets aren't hitting people and people are getting killed. It, it comes out in myriads of ways. But the, the repetitive ones that killed me because my last rotation was just tons of blown up and shot kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I mean, my, my poor medic, dude, he brand new, brand new medic to the team. So, you know, when we're out there in the, in those areas, we are, we are the medical team. Like we're the mm -hmm. doctors we're mm -hmm. so because I'd had all that experience medically, um, on prior rotations with, in, and the cross training, it was me and him. And then we had a couple ODAs on, on the area with us as well. And so every now and then one of their medics would hop in with us, but they were usually out doing stuff. So they would, the people would come to our, our compound and, and we'd have to work on these kids. And we lost a few of them, you know, obviously mm -hmm. um, you're dealing with, you know, third degree burns over 70% of the body, you know, a three-year-old yeah. kid and his sister, you know, mm -hmm. so you're doing escharotomies, you're doing cranks, you know, the kid's not living, it's just not happening. Um, so anyways, 
so so the way my nightmare would play out a lot would be a kid would get blown up, get shot, get hit by a vehicle, whatever. And I'd run over, be having my med pack out and I'd be working on him and it's my daughter. And then mm-hmm. she's like begging me not to let her fall asleep. And I'm just trying to stay awake, you know, doing all the thing. And it just, it, it would just crush me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then plus I was having the seizures yeah. at the time. I wasn't sleeping. And then on top of that, they had, the beautiful army system had been changing my meds out uh, from the standpoint of I was getting a different brand of seizure medications all the time, mm-hmm. every month, whatever came in. Well, it, it got so bad that I, I just remember I all, all I could do like all I wanted to do was just just feel the the metal on the on the on the pistol, mm-hmm. you know. And the thing is, is that in these situations, it's not that you want it all to end, right? It's just in that moment you just want everything to stop. It's like yeah. please just stop just for a second. I just I just want silence. I just want nothingness just for a second. And as I've talked to other people that have had very similar situations, that very repetitive in that it, it's not that we really ultimately truly think that the world's gonna be better off without me this and that it's like we just we just need a we just want silence for a moment just yeah. for to not experience this because because it's almost like living is is complete torment mm-hmm. um that, that's the only way i can describe it. and obviously in that situation you're you are dealing with very very demonic stuff going on in in that area at that time because satan wants nothing greater than to watch our lives snuffed out especially by our own hands mm-hmm. um and it is a terrible thing. So, you know, and I, I lost a couple guys. One of our medics uh, actually did, after that rotation, did end up taking his life. And then I had another buddy from selection that did the same thing. Uh, within a week, mm-hmm. he had taken his own life. So it's it's horrible, you know, mm-hmm. it, and it's, I'm, I'm not that person that says, oh, coward, you suck. Like, because mm-hmm. I, I get it. I trust me, I get it. Um, and that that is a horrible place to be. But, you know, that ultimately it is to destroy who you were meant to be in Christ and 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 the, the mission and the ministry that that you can have as a person um so yeah definitely definitely reach out to people if, if you are feeling that in a moment <laughs> like it's it's not something to be ashamed of Mm-mm. from that standpoint but it, and it goes down to the reality of warfare mm-hmm. you know really it really does because if if they can wipe you off the playing field man they get the number of lives yeah. that you are meant to affect you know we i mean i know it's a old movie it's a great movie but um oh darn it i just thought about it i can't think of the name uh it's a wonderful life yeah. right when clarence yeah, takes him and, movie, and yeah. removes him and it's like hey this 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 and, and if you actually look back in your life and see all the people you truly have affected mm-hmm. you know it, it, it's pretty amazing so well, um, and kingdom math is really powerful too and and what I what I mean by that is God takes fishes and loaves and he feeds 5,000 and you just don't see and you don't understand the ripple effect of your obedience. And and I think I've said this many times on this podcast. I think it's a blessing that God does not fully allow us to see how he uses us because our egos would start to think it's us. Into that. Yeah. And but but he gives us little glimpses into look at what your obedience is doing. But I think <clears throat> there's a song called thank you for giving to the lord and it's it's about a guy who gets to heaven 
And all of a sudden there are crowds of people around him who said, you did this and I'm here because of that. And you did that. And I think, I think that is a good depiction of what it's actually going to be like at the Bema seat. You know, we're going to have remorse for the things that we didn't obey on, but we're going to be celebrating in the ways that God said, look, you did this and here are all the positive consequences of that. And at that point, we, our egos will be able to handle it because we'll be in our new bodies. We'll be free from these bodies of sin and, and it's going to be breathtaking. And, you know, this is one of the things you and I continually drive home on this podcast, which is keep the eternal perspective always keep the eternal perspective because there's a bigger picture at play that, you know, God in his wisdom has chosen not to reveal that to us, but we can trust and we have hope in that. And I think this, you know, plays well into the hope discussion because, you know, something that pastor Jack Hibbs reminded me of in, as he taught about hope is that when we think of the word hope as humans, it's a very, I hope it rains. I hope I win the lottery. It's not a guarantee hope. It's a wish more than a hope, right? But not that is not the way biblical hope is. The, the, the Greek word for hope and the way that biblical hope is expressed is it's not I wish these things would come true. It's a guarantee. It's where we place our excitement for the guarantees of God's promises. And so when the Bible uses the word hope, it's, you know, and, and I'm just going to read from Romans 535. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And so what Paul's reminding us in that passage is that we're placing our hope in the promises of God, which are guaranteed. It's not a, I hope I win the lottery. It's, I know Jesus is coming back for me. I know my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I know where my eternity is. I know that God is equally just and merciful. And, you know, and so it's a different type hope. Biblical hope is not human hope. And we've got to redefine that in our minds because the hope that God gives us is so beautiful. It kind of goes back to something that we've talked about, right? What is success? Success is faithfully carrying out the task I was given today. Mm -hmm. And the reason that so many of us don't get to see the end picture is because we would try to control it and do what we think we need to do to accomplish that task. If you'd have told me I'd be going out with musicians as a chaplain and then the whole stuff and ministry that went along with that, there's a lot of different choices I would have made leading up to that actually coming about. But, you know, that's, that's not how it worked out. And God... God does all those things. He gives it to you in steps, right? Line upon line, precept upon precept, so that we don't get carried away in pride. We don't try to control the situation because we know for a fact that if we did, we'd probably muck it up. (laughs) So, And I think Joseph's a great example of that. Holy cow. You know, God spoke to Joseph. He knew as a young boy what his calling was. He probably would not have chosen to become a slave and then a prisoner to get to where God had him to go. No, no. And I think that this is where my, my psalm is Psalm 71. And I think that this is so good in regards to what, and God really laid it on my heart again, like I said, to, to talk about hope because there's so much going on already in 2024. It's freaking nuts. But the psalmist says, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous, cruel man. For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. But I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. 
my praise shall be continually to you, uh, of you. I've become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. And let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O oh God, do not be far from me. O oh my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually. I'm going to say it again. I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. I, I love that, right? Because there's this expectation. There's Because mm-hmm. there's this hope and it's saying, I am still going to praise you and I'm going to actually increase in this. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me, until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come, and your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you, You have shown me great and severe troubles. You shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. I love that right there, right? Mm -hmm. So looking forward, Mm -hmm. because we know that Sheol is in the center of the earth. So it's looking forward to the resurrection. You shall increase my greatness and and comfort me on every side. Also with the lute, I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God. To you, I will sing with the harp. O Holy One of Israel, my lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul, which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for you are, you, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. <clears throat> that is so powerful because when you understand the nature of God as you lo- come to know him more, you know that every page in the Bible is, is hope to us. And it's the guarantee that ultimately, you know, like I said, he is equally just and merciful. And, and we will, we will get to watch the justice, his justice and mercy play out. And one of the things that I prepared, as you mentioned, you wanted to talk about hope with some scriptures that are promises to us that we can place our hope in. But my Psalms are also very similar to, to your Psalm. So if, if I may, I'm, I'm going to do Psalm 10 and 11 because they're, they're short and they're close together. And I thought that they were just, I like, I like the, you know, one of the things that I'm reminded is <clears throat> in the Bible and in Judaism, when something is repeated, it's because God's trying to get our attention. And so when you have two Psalms that say the same thing back to back, I think it's important because God's really trying to drill home a point to us. And so I wanted to to cover this, especially as we go into 2024 and we understand that, you know, that, that things are going to get, I think I, I haven't talked to a single Christian and Paul, you and I talked about this for the past few months. There's, there's a sense that things are going to get very, very topsy-turvy here yeah. in, in the next year. And circumstantially, if we look at the circumstances, it's going to be very easy for us to lose hope because we're going to be like, where's God? And we're going to, you know, but we have to, you know, the, the hope that's spread out in the scripture, whether it's Daniel in the den of the lions or Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael refusing to bow the knee and being thrown into the fiery furnace, or it's Joseph sitting in prison trying to figure out why he's there, or Paul and si- Silas singing praises to the Lord, you know, while shackled after having just been beaten. Or if it's, you know, it's, it's the Hebrews 11, you know, the hall of faith, you know, whatever circumstance we see is that there's, there's typically as a part of God's process, a point in time that every one of his mature believers goes through where 
the darkness seems to be overwhelming. And it's like, why this doesn't make sense, God. This isn't what I thought was going to happen. And then God's glory comes at the very end. And, and so, you know, I think that for this season, we just need to be conscientious of the fact that we cannot let circumstances define God's goodness. We have to look at the promises that he gives us. So on that note, Psalm 10, why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide in times of trouble? In pride, the wicked pursue the needy. Let them be caught in the schemes they devise. For the wicked man boasts in the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his schemes, there is no God. He is secure in his ways at all times. Your lofty judgments are far from him. He sneers at all his foes. He says to himself, I will not be moved. From age to age, I am free of distress. His mouth is full of cursing, deceit, and violence. Trouble and malice are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. In ambush, he slays the innocent. His eyes watch in stealth for the helpless. He lies in wait like a lion in the thicket. He lurks to seize the oppressed. He catches the lowly in his net. They are crushed and beaten down. The hapless fall prey to his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He hides his face and never sees. Verse 12, arise, O Lord. Lift up your hand, O God, and do not forget the helpless. Why has the wicked man renounced God? He says to himself, you will never call me to account, but you have regarded trouble and grief. You see to repay it by your hand. The victim entrusts himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Call him to account for his wickedness until none is left to be found. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. You have heard, O Lord, the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their hearts. You will incline your ear to vindicate the fatherless and the oppressed. What that the men of earth may strike terror no more. So that's Psalm 10. And then going into Psalm 11, in the Lord, I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrow on the string to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. His eyes are watching closely and they examine the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous and the wicked. His soul hates the lover of violence. On the wicked, he will rain down fiery coals and sulfur, a scorching wind to be their portion. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. So there's a constant thread. <clears throat> there's a constant thread. I apologize. There's a constant thread that I see throughout the scriptures, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's amazing. And it is the faithfulness of God mm -hmm. and a looking forward. You know, this is where I think, again, I actually just got, we're waiting on confirmation. Um, it might not have happened. It could just be propaganda on the, on the chat networks, but uh, my buddy Kirby just clicked us in a group and said that the Houthis are claiming they they knocked out a destroyer mm. of ours. So we'll we'll see. We'll get back on that in a second. So mm -hmm. that's but <laughs> stuff's stuff's just going to get crazier this year. Yeah. But you know we Gianna talked about Romans, right? Romans mm -hmm. five and Romans eight says the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing, amazing statement that the sufferings and anything we endure here is nothing compared with the glory that we will get to experience in the presence of the Lord. 
You know, Jeremiah, and I want to frame this, Jeremiah is called to prophesy against his own people. In 2 Chronicles 26, or 2 Chronicles 36, it says, Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke from the mouth of the Lord. And he rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear an oath by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart against turning to the Lord God of Israel. You know, so Jeremiah here is prophesying against the nation, saying, hey, we're going to go into the Babylonian captivity. And Nebuchadnezzar is God's arm here to bring judgment. So you can either submit to the Lord or continue to rebel. And obviously, as it says, he didn't humble himself. He didn't humble himself before Jeremiah and the word of the Lord. It says all the leaders of the priests and the people transgressed more and more according to all the abominations of the nations and defiled the house of the Lord, which he had consecrated in Jerusalem. The Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early and sending them because they had compa- he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. You know, that's one of the things that we see as you study the text, when we look at the nation of Israel and even other nations, there's mercy, mercy, opportunity, opportunity, and they reach a point where there's no going back. It's like, oh, no, judgment's coming. You may repent now. We saw this with Josiah, right? Josiah had amazing reforms. It, it even says that there was no king in Judah that had turned his heart back to the Lord like Josiah since the time of David. Mm-hmm. But even then, he says, <clears throat> because of what Manasseh did, you're going to suffer judgment. So even though there was mercy done in the days of Josiah, it was, sorry about that. Um, Even though God had shown mercy due to Josiah's repentance, the nation had gone too far. He's like, look, because of what Manasseh did, boom, like there's judgment coming. And and so here we see the same thing. This is, this is that judgment coming now. So they scoffed, uh, therefore he brought against he brought against them the kings of the Chaldeans who killed their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin or the aged or the weak. He gave all into his hand and all the articles from the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king and his leaders, all these took, he took to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God, broke down the wall of Jerusalem, burned all its palaces with fires and destroyed all its precious possessions. And those who escaped from the sword, he carried away to Babylon, where they became servants to him and his sons until the rule of the kingdoms of Persia. Now hear this, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath, as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. One of the things that we need to understand here, and if we remember, when God gave the people the law, and he said, when you go into the land, you are every for six years, you will work. On the seventh, you were to let it rest. Well, they did not do this for 490 years, at least collectively. There were 70 Sabbath rests for the land. They didn't give it. So God says, okay, oh, it's going to get its Sabbath because I'm going to take you out of the land and then it's going to get its rest. But so, so this is what pro- Jeremiah is doing, right? He's prophesying. I mean, you know, think about how difficult that had to have been for him, right? To, to prophesy against his nation. It wasn't well received. He was considered a traitor. And you could just hear his words in Jeremiah 4. He says, oh, my soul, my soul, I am pained in my very heart. My heart makes noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war, destruction upon destruction is cried for the whole land is plundered. 
Suddenly my tents are plundered and my curtains in a moment. How long will I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? For my people are foolish. They have not known me. They are silly children and they have no understanding. They are wise to do evil, but to do good, they have no knowledge. And then in Jeremiah 9, it says, oh, that my head were waters and my eye, you know, it's, it's this constant just sadness that the prophet has. But even in that, you can see in a sense, God's, God's sorrow. But so for first Chronicles and then in Jeremiah 25, we know that the captivity is for 70 years, Mm -hmm. but that's what is so beautiful about Jeremiah 32, because in Jeremiah 32, it says the word of the, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem and Jeremiah, the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. So they actually imprisoned Jeremiah for prophesying. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about that, right? This guy's doing what God called him to. He's it's demonstrated, hey, if you don't listen to me, like, guess what? They're coming. They're going to take us. So you need to submit to this because this is the hand of the Lord. This isn't just some enemy. Well, he's thrown in prison for it. So here, Jeremiah, who is a patriot, who loves his people, he has to prophesy against his people. He has to watch as his people are taken captive and killed. And then he gets thrown in prison. But when he's in prison, the word of the Lord came to him and said that his cousin was going to come to him and tell him to buy a field. So they go through this process. Jeremiah pays the purchase price. And I love this. So he pays the purchase price. They get the deeds. It says, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, take these deeds, both this purchase deed, which is sealed and the deed, which is open and put them in an earthen vessel that, that they may last many days for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land. So even in the midst of all of this, there is this promise and a hope that is given to them through this act because it's saying, hey, look, you're not going to see it, but your descendants are going to come back here and they will have this land. They will be in this land again. They will possess it. So there's this this hope that was had in the midst of all of this pain and suffering and this terrible situation. There was a hope given and an expectation that God is going to be faithful to bring them back into the land. You know, and that's the hope that we have and the expectation we have is that no matter what happens over this next year, next five years, next 10 years, mm-hmm. however long, 20 years, however long any of us have, and no matter where the world goes, whether the U.S. economy collapses, whether we get into World War III, we have a hope that is so much greater and beyond these things. It doesn't mean it's not going to suck. Right. It doesn't mean it's not going to hurt, but we can have a joy and a peace that, you know what? I st- even in those times, I still have a mission. And at least we have the Holy Spirit. You know, that when, when mm-hmm. Kels was going through her cancer, repeatedly she said to me, I do not know. I do not know how people do this apart from Christ because it's hard for me. You know, I don't know how they do it without hope. So, you know, I just want to really just encourage you guys that like it's probably going to get crazy. Yeah, We shouldn't be surprised. The scripture lays out very well, but man, what, what an exciting time. Like I was talking with a guy yesterday. He's like, man, why, why did God have us here now? Imagine not being part of the old Testament time period, not being part of the wild West 200 years ago, 300 years ago, but now mm-hmm. why did, why are we part of the church now? Like, man, what an exciting time to be alive 
and to be active and to be able to be used because mm-hmm. no matter as bad as things may get, at least we have that hope and that light and we get to be that light and that hope for other people. I mean, that's just, it's so exciting. And mm-hmm. as you study Romans <clears throat> with Romans five, you know, we may think that the mark of the maturity, mature Christian is Tiana read it, but we may think the mark of the mature Christian is how much you dislike sin or conviction or all these things. But as it reads, the mark of the mature Christian is hope, right? You know, that's, yeah. that's amazing. When you were talking about that, there are two Bible characters that come to my mind and that's Simeon and Anna. And they were the, the two people at the temple when Jesus was brought to be presented and you know how they had spent an entire lifetime waiting for that moment. And it was nothing more than a few minutes with the babe who was going to grow up to be the one to hang on the cross that they delighted in. And they dedicated their entire life to those, that moment. And it's just a beautiful thing that's captured. But if I may, Paul, I'd like to read a few promises that God gives us to Christians. So we remember what our hope, you know, the hope that God's given us because you know, that Romans, that Romans passage reminds us that we're going to suffer. Because in that suffering, we learn perseverance. And when we learn to persevere, then God builds character in us. And the, and the, the, the ultimate fruit that he wants out of that character is hope. Think about that. The, the greatest thing out of all of those steps lead us to knowing that we can trust God. And this goes back to that Dr. Mishler thing that he says all the time. God's going to ask you every day, do you trust me? <laughs> and, and, you know, in a new way. And so these are a couple of promises that God gives us. <laughs> In John chapter 14, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me as well. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am you know the place to where I am going. And then he goes on to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Man, what a beautiful promise that we get to hold on to. Jesus is currently preparing a place for us, and he's going to bring us back to that place. Yeah. And oh, then man. in Korea, go ahead, what were you going to say? No, I'm just, I love that. Yeah. It's just, it's I- exciting. It is exciting. And another promise he gives us is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writing to the church in Corinth says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed, for the perishable must be clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. We get new bodies, y'all. We, we have a ultimate destination that is not does not include COVID, flu, vomit, sin. <laughs> and for an upgrade. <laughs> right. Gets right. me excited. Yeah. And then one other scripture that I, I, I want to stress because I, I think that this is probably why, and, and I've mentioned this on Made to Conquer, I haven't mentioned it on here. For, some, for whatever reason, over the past several years in my Bible reading, the Lord has had me consistently just read the book of Revelation. So, you know, I move through different books of the Bible and, and as I do my devotion time, but for whatever reason, when I finish the book of Revelation, the Lord has me start. And so I read a chapter of the book of Revelation every single day. And I don't know why that's just something I've done for years. So I've read the book of Revelation so many times, it's crazy. But I, I, wanna, I, I wanna tell you that while a lot of people look at the book of Revelation, they see doom and gloom. I see hope, 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 hope. I see so many things and here's why. In the book of Amos, chapter three, verse seven, this is stated, surely the Lord God does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophet. And the reason that is so powerful is because what God is saying is, look, 
I have given you my prophecy. I have, I have told you what is going to come to pass because when these things happen, we have no reason to be afraid. It's the hope that God knows God is in control and the prophecy, biblical prophecy, eschatology is a gift to us. It is a treasure. That is why the book of Revelation is a book with a promise. If you read this out loud, you know, there's a blessing that comes with it because it, it guarantees our hope because it is a gift that God has given us prophecy and the gift of the prophets to us. And so I just wanted to stress that. I think sometimes we look at future prophecy as something to be afraid of. And on the contrary, we should be deriving hope. We should be deriving assurance. We should be deriving our faith that God is good and he knows what's going to happen before it happens. It's that Psalm 139. You know a thought before I even think it. You know everything about me. The, the hairs on my head are numbered. You know, you, and so I think it's just, I think we just need to be reminded of the exactness of God's understanding his wisdom, the extent of his knowledge, the vastness of his presence, the majesty of his might, you know, the, the depth of his love, all of these things are very real. They're not just Christian concepts. They're not a psychological coping mechanism. Like, uh, you know, the atheists want us to believe, no, they, these things are real and they are as sure as the sun rising and they are as sure as the sunset every day. Amen to that. All right. So I do need to say something since we're talking about revelation. And this is one of the news articles. <laughs> so I, I think that I am actually going to change from a pre-millennial to a post-millennial view <laughs> that, that we are going to overtake the world and it's going to be a time of peace and bliss because as of right now, in the rate study, peanut M&Ms are healthier than beef and pork <laughs> along with Reese's cups. So I think honestly, we're moving in the right direction. <laughs> But this is not a Babylon B. This is a legit study. Uh, Bill Gates, because um, Bill Gates is really pushing the meat alternatives and the egg alternatives. Yeah. And he funded a study, uh, Dr. Darius Moafarian. Uh, he's a cardiologist, a nutritional researcher, and dean of the Tufts University Friedman School of Nutrition, Science, and Policy. And Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation funded research on a bunch of different foods to rate them for nutritional value. And why this matters is because he's in. He advises governments, officials, and healthcare professionals across the world throughout his career. So he he does have an influence, but it has M&Ms and Reese's Cups higher than chicken, <laughs> pork, and beef. So good times, people. We are moving in the right direction. You can now feel guiltless as you as you uh, as you shovel that just fat bombs into your face man for those of you that cannot see the look of childish delight on paul's face right now to understand the sarcasm that he is dripping every word with understand we are not saying this is true we are laughing at the absurdity of this article Holy cow. <laughs> looks, paul looks so delighted right now as we're hacking <laughs> right we got we, we're, we're really trying to get down to a half pack a day. I apologize, people. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> this is my subtle way of saying, hey, Lord, when am I going to get that new body you promised? Me? Holy cow. But uh, take that top one. I think that's because this this goes back to uh, we're, we're waiting on confirmation to see if the Houthis actually actually did hit us. Um, but we do know we hit them. Yeah, so Reuters reported, and I know Amir Safati reported this, so I saw this first thing when I woke up this morning. 
that Yemen on the 12th of January, U.S. and British warplanes, ships and submarines struck across Yemen overnight in retaliation against Iran-backed Houthi forces and attacks on the Red Sea shipping, a widening regional conflict triggered by Israel's war in Gaza. Witnesses confirmed explosions throughout Yemen, saying raids targeted a military base adjacent to the Sana airport, a military site near Taziz airport, a Houthi naval base in Obidiah, Hodiya. <laughs> how do you say it? Uh, I, it's, that's the English transliteration. I don't know what that says in Arabic. Okay. okay. And military sites in Haja government. So in other words, um, if you guys haven't been following the news, there's been a lot of vessel hijacks and there's a lot of issues going on right now with who these. And I think, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, and I think you probably have more clarity on, on this than I do. I mean, I am, I understand who Hamas is and and I follow like some of the other terrorist organizations. The Houthis, and I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that right, they are like like the Hamas of Yemen. Is that, am I pretty, correct in that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're 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 an extreme Islamist organization. So they're all, you know, pretty much the same across that. Um, they did get lit pretty up, lit up pretty good when we invaded Iraq. Um, mm -hmm. As as everybody knows, that studied history at this point because heck, that was well over twenty years ago, which is insane. Um, that that lit up a lot of people uh, in the Middle East and a lot of different groups and really gave them a a, a good reason. Not that they wouldn't have uh, been very, you know, they were already anti-American, anti-West in in many cases, but it in a sense really fired them up to get more militant. Uh, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So they've been, they've been in operation for quite a while though. And then, yeah. So just, just to summarize for everybody, the Hamas is a terrorist organization that runs Palestine. Hezbollah is the terrorist organization in Syria. Is that I right? can't remember. Uh, but they are, they're an Iranian backed terrorist organization, Hezbollah. And then yeah, the Houthis yeah, yeah, yeah. are also Houthi, another Houthis Iranian. are Iran backed as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, these H's can all get confusing for the, those of us that don't live in the Middle East or aren't necessarily as closely tied to all the Middle Eastern politics. And one thing I will say really quickly, you know, as Paul and I are getting close to wrapping up and there's one final article I think we got to read and then our Babylon Bees, <clears throat> or hint, hint, Paul, uh, is that um, when you're when you're dealing with Middle Eastern politics, part of the issue and why there's such a wide range brainwashing occurring in the West where you have all these pro-Palestinian marches and all these things is that so many of these people who drink the propaganda and are, you know, falling in line with this anti-Semitic movement that's spreading across the world and who are backing this quote unquote Palestinian movement is that they tend to filter the information through an American Western mindset. And we have to understand that these cultures that we're dealing with are not Western civilization cultures and they don't think like we do and so we think well we can just sit down and have a rational conversation and and we can come to rational agreements with these people and it should be that simple that is not how these terrorist organizations think they they do not think in terms of conversation is a means of peace they think in terms of conflict as a means of peace and so in and they're not necessarily looking for peace either those that's not their values they're not looking to you know to have peace they're looking to have domination and control so I would just warn you to be cautious and conscientious of as you read news coming out of the Middle East to to be careful not to apply Western values to the your to the thinking about how these people operate and how these terrorist organizations operate because they don't value the things we value. 
you know, the Ham Hamas is not looking for peace. They're looking for the destruction of Israel. Iran is not looking for peace. They're looking for the destruction of Israel. So keep that in mind. And I think that's part of where there's a conflict occurring is that so many of these brainwashed people who drink the propaganda and think, you know, that Israel's doing something wrong or that, you know, we shouldn't be bombing these places. Now, don't get me wrong. None of us are looking to get into World War III, which it's likely it's happening anyway. And I'm not a warmongering, but I'm saying that these people don't speak in terms of conversation. They speak in terms of force. And, and Charlie Kirk said this very wisely, and this is very true. Human beings are motivated one of two ways, force or speech. You can move people through speech or you can move people through force. Well, we in a Western civilization have been primarily influenced through speech, but there comes a time when speech doesn't work or there are cultures where speech will not persuade people. It is down to force is the only way to persuade people. And that the majority of these terrorist organizations, there is nothing that could ever be said to, to soothe over the way that these people think and the way that they operate. And so I just want to give that context because I think sometimes we tend to look at this as if they're, oh, why, why aren't we just having conversations with them? There's got to be a better way to do this. No, that's not how these people operate. And, and I think we just need to be you know, cautious not to fall into the trap of believing that, that this, there's an easy solution to this, that a peace talk or a UN resolution would be able to fix that. So one of the, this is a, um, from a quote from Majid Kaduri. Uh, he was one of the pioneers basically of studies in the Middle East and Islam, uh, Islamic studies in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, this is what he said. He was a Iraqi born, um, guy, uh, the universalism of Islam in all its embrace in its all embracing creed is imposed on the believers as a continuous process of warfare, psychological and political, if not strictly military. The jihad, accordingly, may be stated as a doctrine of permanent state of war, not continuous fighting. So I'm actually going to put a PDF up on Warriors Rising for anybody that's interested, and it's going to be the Quranic concept of war. And, and, and here's why. Back even 15, 20 years ago, when all this stuff was kicking up, right, people were coming out. We had Middle Easterners that had turned Christian and, and were less extreme, uh, more conservative Muslims talking about warfare, talking about Islam. And... In that time since then, we really have forgotten a lot of information about how Muslims carry out warfare. It, it is not just as we see it with the fighting. It is, right, It talk. they talk about going and invading and overtaking through numbers. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole range of things. So I, I think that if, if anybody's truly interested in seeing what's going on in Europe, what's going on throughout the world, what's, what is taking place right now, um, check, check this PDF out. It is, it's going to give you a lot of really good information. Yeah. Thank you for that, Paul. I think we need that. I think we need perspective to understand if we want to actually understand the context and the truth of the situation and not give in to the propaganda or be fooled by the propaganda that's coming out. We need to get some understanding of how these terrorist organizations and how these individuals think and how they've been trained to think. All right. I'm excited about my B. Are we going to do the other article before we do the B? Oh, crap. Yeah. Washington. Look, I apologize, people. I, I drove to Fayetteville on Wednesday. I drove back yesterday, so I'm I'm a little tired. Uh, the Washington Post pushes a claim that Israel has harvested Palestinian organs. Palestinian officials, the Post wrote, said Tuesday that Israel had returned the bodies of 80 people it had held during the Gaza war via Karim Shalom border crossing. The Hamas-run government media office said Israel had not identified the bodies or said where they had been taken from. They had been mutilated, 
the media office said in a statement, and there were clear indications that organs had been stolen from the corpses. So just so everybody understands, if you're on TikTok and you're actually tracking this stuff, it is getting thousands upon thousands of people now with extreme anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. I hopped in a live the other day and there were hundreds of people. What was interesting is the host, the, this is this is where the world's going, right? The host was allowing all these Muslims and Palestinians and all these people to hop up and they were cursing Israel and talking about like, I mean, everything in there and all these other lives I've watched. When I was at the Holocaust Museum in Israel, as you walk through it, it does a, pro- the, the museum set up in a progression. So basically you go to, pre-Holocaust, the beginning of war, when things were starting to get the propaganda coming out, and then it moves through the whole process to the final solution, right, as you get to that. So on the one wall uh, in this one major section, actually it's a whole major section, is all the propaganda. You've got the videos, you've got the newspapers, the books, and it's all that anti-Semitic propaganda. If I just took that propaganda all off the wall and then read it verbatim on TikTok, that is what these people are saying, verbatim. Mm -hmm verbatim Mm -hmm. so this is the direction because as we know social media you can get a really good put your get your thumb on the pulse of of society um especially when you're dealing with thousands upon thousands of people and the stuff coming out of these people's mouths americans muslims all of them is so anti-semitic and it was interesting so I, i listened patiently for like 45 minutes right let everybody talk let them say what they wanted to say of course, everybody was saying, oh, they're in violation of international law with the occupation and the land. So I read, so I got up and I read the international law. And, and as we know, because we covered it, the only standing international law on the books is from 1922 and adopted in Article 80 of the UN when that was established, giving Israel the right to the land and recognizing the Jewish people's right to the land west of the Jordan River, not pre-67 borders, which we know are just armistice lines. No, west of the Jordan River. And then by their own admission, by their own admission of the, like Yatser Arafat and others, Jordan is Palestine. Mm-hmm. And there is no actual true Palestinian people. They don't exist. Right. And dude, suddenly it's like, we don't care. We don't care about those who, who this body that there's 51 countries that <laughs> voted. Uh, I don't care about what they say. It's like, no, 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 no. Now, wait a minute. You, you are stating that they're violating international law, international law. But then when I read you the international law, you say, I don't care about it. You, you know, it's like, you, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. Um, but, but we shouldn't be surprised because again, as we've read from, I can't remember his name because I don't have it up, but the, the guy's commentary on the book of Zechariah, you know, towards the end, all the world would be bitten with the bug of antisemitism. And mm-hmm. so this is just going to increase. Yeah. And actually you reminded me something I meant to say earlier about TikTok. I want to, first of all, thank all of you. I, we've gotten emails, I've gotten messages that there is, there have been a couple of fake TikTok accounts that have gone out. I am not new age. <laughs> and the reason I'm laughing <laughs> to say this is because there is one account that I have reported to TikTok and other people have reported and TikTok refuses to take it down. And it's clearly, they're faking me. They put Tiana Shoei one, they've stolen my uh, my profile picture, they've stolen several of my videos and they're sending messages out to people telling them that I can see their spirits. I cannot see your spirit. I have not <laughs> sent you a message telling you I can see your spirit. And most importantly, I have not sent you a message asking for money. Never once have I or Paul asked for money. Uh, if, if, if at any point in time we've ever, we ever will in the future raise funds, it will be for a specific cause and you will hear it from us from on the podcast. Like my jetliner. 
Yeah, exactly. You know, in, in his toy, his tundra, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that, that's a, that's a longstanding joke that we'll, you know, we'll share later, but that is not me. I'm not seeing your spirit. I'm not sending stuff out to you. Uh, and, and as a quick side note, we do have, you know, the, 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 all the funds for Warriors Rising and Made to Conquer come from a shared bank account. You know, we, we pay for everything out of the same bank account. All the costs come out of the same bank account. So there have been some folks who are now donating to the Warriors Rising podcast through the Made to Conquer website. And I just want to say thank you to those of you that support Warriors Rising and Made to Conquer. Uh, it's, it was very relieving looking at our finances because, you know, it, there are some expenses that, go, that we have to pay to get, keep all this up and running. And it was just, it's amazing to see how God's provided. And thank you guys for your faithfulness on that front. I want to say two other quick things and then we'll get to Babylon B. Uh, the one thing I do want to say is since it does look like we're in a, a military conflict, we do have, uh, you know, one of the made to conquer ladies whose son-in-law is in the Yemen area. And so we just want to pray for the, the, the service members who are currently now on the front lines of, of an escalating conflict, we'll call it. And then I also just want to mention that we need to pray for the Nigerian Christians who are under extreme immense amounts yes. of, of Muslim persecution right now. Um, they're being brutally murdered in mass and it's, it's very heartbreaking. So, you know, they are a part of our body and, and, and their pain is our pain and their loss is our loss, but you know, they're going into glory, uh, not in a beautiful way, but, um, you know, again, this is one of these times where we don't look at the circumstances circumstances, but we look at, at God and, and we trust that he's, you know, he's going to accomplish his purposes through this, but we do want to pray for, the, you know, those groups of people today. Yeah. Amen. All right, Paul. Now we can All right. be it. Beautiful by Christina Aguilera, ranked top worship song of all time. <laughs> Citing the timeless truths and life-giving message contained in its lyrics, the Gospel Music Association revealed Wednesday that it has chosen Christina Aguilera. I'm sorry, I get emotional about this. <laughs> Christina Aguilera's 2002 hit Beautiful as the greatest worship song of all time. <laughs> Topping its list of 10 best worship songs, it perfectly captures the essence of the worth of the worshiper, which is what worship is ultimately all about, a GMA spokesman said. Take a second to ponder some of the lyrics and let them really get down inside of you. And I have to say, unfortunately, this mirrors many worship songs in church today. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. Yes, words can't bring me down. Oh no, so you don't bring me down today. Oceans by Hillsong, which was widely expected to top the list, came in at number two. Others included the Lego movie hit Everything is Awesome, Happy <laughs> by Pharrell Williams, and LMFAO's Party Rock Anthem, rounding out the list at number 10. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. All right. Mine is eight differences between public schooled kids and homeschooled kids. All right. Number one, homeschooled kids learn how to manufacture paste using complex chemical processes. Their mother then sells the paste as a side hustle. Public schooled kids eat paste. Homeschooled kids read War and Peace in kindergarten for fun. Public school kids read the big gay sex book. Homeschooled kids reading at college level in second grade, public schooled kids exploring alternative sexualities at, sexualities at college level in second grade. Homeschooled kids, <laughs> a, a full day of lessons packed into two hours. Public schooled kids, two hours of lessons stretched into a full day. Homeschooled kids <laughs> kill and butcher wild game and eat eggs provided by the backyard chickens. Public schooled kids eat processed genetically modified food provided by the government. <laughs> homeschooled kids, Tuesday afternoon is range day with dad. Public schooled kids get arrested for picking up a gun shaped stick and saying pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> homeschooled kids, educational field trip to the local zoo. Public schooled kids, the classroom is a zoo. And coming in last, <laughs> homeschooled kids think public schoolers are weird and are right. Public schooled kids think homeschoolers are weird and are right. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, it's it's insanity. And it's sad but true. But oh well. I like yeah, like what Ghostbuster says, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, guys. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really appreciate you giving us your time. If if we encourage you, please like, share, subscribe to this podcast. If you have questions, if you have prayer requests, please email me, Paul at the WarriorsRising.com. Uh some of the men you guys have signed up for the retreat, so we're really excited. Uh, it, it's it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a good time to unplug. It, it's not going to be a suck fest. It's just it's going to be a good weekend of fellowship and, and just having some fun out out in the woods. So and, and don't worry, guys. We're not going to let Paul plan 100 percent by himself. The women will make sure that you guys have adequate food, <laughs> and we will make sure that. Oh, I'm eating. We're eating mountain meals. I've already decided. Like I, I it's going to be good. We're going to have a good time. We're going to let Paul run this, but don't worry. There will be some females behind the scenes. We'll do a checklist with you, Paul, before you go and make sure that. <laughs> She's lying. I won't let her touch it. <laughs> All right. So uh, anyways, appreciate you, Tiana. You're awesome. <laughs> um, but appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Go out, preach the gospel, disciple the nations. Remember, everything that we do is in support of that mission statement. It's Paul with Warriors Rising. Out.